Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. All right. Shout out to those on the cafe service. What's going on? Shout out to you. <laughs> brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out, open up your Bible apps, whatever you prefer to use. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians the fourth chapter. We've been uh, teaching for the last several weeks now uh, this series of messages that I want to continue today and beyond today called The Devil's Trap. And uh, we've come to recognize and see that there is, a, there is an enemy, there is a thief. He wants to rob you blind. <laughs> he wants to clean your clock and mess up your marriage and mess up your family, mess up your finances and your health. And, and, just re- and, and he's allowed to get into some individual's lives. But it's not something that we can't put a stop to. All right? And we've been instructed, we've been told how he gets in. And so we want to make sure that we stay, we keep our foot out of his trap. And, and in studying along these lines, we, we have been able to identify a number of different ways, uh, bait, if you will, far as, far as how he gets in. And, and so we're able to, to see it, to avoid it, and keep ourselves in the blessing of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 read, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. So the reality is here in life is some individuals are giving place to the devil. In fact, you are, unless you're not. All right? Sometimes just being very passive is inviting and allowing the enemy to work and bring destruction in your life. We need to be aggressive, assertive. We need to stand on what the Lord has provided and promised us. Faith is an active word, okay? And we need to take this active stance. Otherwise, like we said, the enemy will take place in our lives. Uh, What is that place? That place is opportunity. That place is an open door. I want to give access to the Lord. I want God to have place in my life, not the devil. But it appears to me from Scripture, from this and multiple places, that whoever gets place has been given that spot by me. Yeah, so, so I, I need to see how this works. Remember the Amplified Bible, verse 27, leave no such room or foothold for the devil, give no opportunity to him. And then the easy to read version, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. All right, so, if he, so he's been defeating me. Well, stop giving them away. And what we're endeavoring to do is cover some of this so our eyes are open, so we can see how he's been getting in or how we've been putting our foot in his trap. We can recognize that and just quit. Amen. You ever wanted to say that to a good friend, good family member? Just quit. All right, sometimes that's not what we need to hear. Um, Different bait. Different bait for different people, it seems like. Uh, it seems like some, some individuals struggle in, in certain areas, while others, they never give it a second thought. A 
other people struggle in a different area that someone else doesn't. Uh, I understand that, you know, imagine we have some fisher people here. Fisher people, that's the right way to say fishermen and fisher chicks. Uh, right? If you fish, you, pro <laughs> you probably use different types of bait based on what you're trying to catch. And uh, I think that the enemy is, is at least that smart. Um, he does that with people. He knows what things will might lure certain individuals into his trap. And so I think wisdom for us just says we recognize about ourselves what we are, what area we're vulnerable in. If there's a certain thing that you have fallen into again and again and again, some of them that we've already listed, some of them that we're going to be talking about. If you find yourself and say, you know what, man, I sure, I sure fall into that. I've sure done that a hundred times. Well, recognize that so you stop doing it because the enemy has recognized your vulnerability and he's going to keep hitting you there until you shore up that area of your life and say, no, I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to continue to fall into that. Everybody okay? All right. And, and so, you know, last week we were talking about forgiveness, you know, or really the, the, the opposite unforgiveness and we've seen in the scripture that is a major deal that is a huge area that people fall in and uh, you know it's it's one of these things the enemy wants to trip us up in and it's very simple we know what to do but too often we don't uh, you know basically God's plan in regards to that is he wants relationships to work he wants there to be reconciliation. He wants things to come together. Turn with me over, if you would, to Matthew 18. Let me, let me share a, a final few thoughts along these lines of forgiveness, um, and then it'll feed right into this next piece of bait the enemy uses. Uh, but we should, we should endeavor to work relationships out. You know, most of the time they can be worked out, but often people ignore the very simplicity of the words of Jesus and how we were instructed to deal with disagreements. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said over here, verse 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, brother, sister, we could put anyone in there, if your brother sins against you, go and tell a few people about what happened so that you'll have you know an army a team on your side against that person did I read that wrong if your brother sins against you take full advantage in use of social media to expose your brother because you really want him to be helped and you know this is the only way it'll work. Now, we laugh about that, but I'm telling you, that's an issue. Meaning, someone does you wrong, your first response is to tell someone else about what they did. Don't we have that? Haven't you ever done that? Immediately. You hear what so-and-so, you know, so-and-so, I can't, you won't believe what they said to me. You won't believe what they did to me. You won't believe how they treated me. And who are we talking to? And yet this verse has been here for a while. 
He said, now let's read it correctly. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him. What's that word? Alone. Alone. That's the word, the word of the Lord. He said, you go to them and you talk about that thing. You tell them, but it's just you and that other person. No one else needs to know about this. That's the goal. That's the best case scenario. No one else knows about it. Not even later. Not even if you get it worked out. It's just, it ends and it dies right there. I mean, how many know best case scenario is your brother does not sin against you? That'd be perfect world. Okay, okay, we're not in perfect world. And sometimes this happens. Best case after that. Let's always try to get the best. We want to reconcile. We want to fix this. We want to end it. And no one has to know about it. So what do you do? They do it to you and you go straight to them. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You know that a lot of times that's exactly what happens. If we do it this way, we deal with it one-on-one. We're not trying to expose them, embarrass them, shame them. We're just trying to fix it. We're just trying to reconcile. We're just endeavoring to offer mercy and forgiveness, but we're not treating it like a superficial relationship where we don't deal head-on with issues. We're really going to talk about it. We're really going to fix it. But, you know, most of the time, it can end right there and be done. How many relationships could have been saved? And how many doors to the devil could have been closed before he ever got in because we dealt with it the way Jesus said to deal with it. He goes on to say, if he hears you, you've gained your brother, verse 16, but if he will not hear you, so that does happen sometimes, take with you one or two more. So how many? One or two hundred friends on... No, no, no. (laughs) One or two. You want to keep this small? We still want to work it out. Still our goal is reconciliation, it's forgiveness, it's restoration. I'm still not spreading it around, but if you won't hear me, I still, I love him enough, I want this to work out. And so then I'm going to involve one or two more, and, and, and by the mouth of two or three witnesses, um, every word may be established. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, he said, then you tell it to the church. But again, when he says tell it to the church, doesn't mean we send an email to the whole church. Doesn't mean we pronounce it on live stream around the world. Hey, just telling the church what so-and-so did to me. It's talking about, you know, you involve the leaders of your church. And if a relationship is right with the local church, leaders have some say in your life. They can speak, and it carries weight with you, and many times... When it gets to that level, if people have respect for church leadership, they can get things fixed then. They're just seeking more counsel. Why? To expose that person? No. To shame them? To make them pay for what they did? I'm going to get you kicked out of the church. (laughs) No. Our goal is reconciliation. We want to offer mercy and forgiveness, and we want to fix this. Why? I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life. Or in that other person's life. And so we're trying to do that. He said, if he refuses uh, even to hear the church, let them be to you like a heathen and an IRS employee. (laughs) I'm sorry. We probably have some of them here. That's not a (laughs) direct. 
a tax collector, uh, is what they said. That's what they considered a heathen in their day because of they cheated and stuff. Uh, not like they do to, no. Oh, <laughs> not like they target certain political groups. Oh yeah, that's another story. <laughs> uh, but here's the point: it, Would there ever be a time where you have to say, "Okay, well, we it just didn't work"? Yes, because there there are real people involved. People don't always do the right thing, even with the best effort. My point is this. Too often, we don't give it our best effort. We're not following the steps of the Lord. We're not doing what's necessary to reconcile. And so there are too many divisions that never need to happen. I think it should be more rare that it comes to that point. You see that? Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 17 reads, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Should that be our goal? That should be our goal. What am I looking for? Peace. If it's up to me, this is going to work out. If it's up to me, we're going to reconcile. We're going to have peace between us. All of our relationships are going to be good. If it's up to me. Now, I understand. The right Paul understood when he wrote that. It's not always up to you. There is someone else involved. You can't always fix every situation. Wish we could. Can't always. But if it's up to me, I'm going to make sure and be on the right side of this and do whatever I can to bring uh, healing, to bring restoration. Let that be your heart. Let that be your commitment in all of the, you know, relationships that you deal with. Now, find the book of James with me. That'd be a right turn, head towards Revelation. James chapter 3. If you find Hebrews, slow down, downshift, save your brakes. He, uh, James chapter 3, this leads us right into this this area this bait that the enemy uses and it is called I'll just give it to you up front it's called strife alright strife is one of the primary ways that the devil gets access into people's lives into their homes into their relationships into their businesses strife let me show you that. Let me show you right here. This is powerful. Okay? James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? You think you know something? You think you got it together? You got some wisdom? He said, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So humility, meekness. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts... Or you could say strife. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. See, there's two types of wisdom he's explaining here. This wisdom does not come from above. So I am wise, wise, wise. How, what kind of wise are you? This wisdom is earthly, sensual, demonic. I want you to think about that, those words that are put together there. You can see the wisdom that is not from God is earthly, not heavenly. It's sensual, okay? Think of the sense realm, 
you, of course, you, you might include, you think of sensual, you think of sexual things. That's all in that same category. People often get mixed up there in the wrong area. But it's sensual, and, and, it's, and it's what? It's demonic. So how does the devil work against people in the realm of the flesh, you could say? Earthly stuff, sensual, not faith. Faith is not moved by, by the five physical senses. It's moved only by the Word of God. But people get in the flesh realm, and that's the demonic realm. That's where the enemy endeavors to have access, and he, he'll give you a certain special kind of wisdom. And it, it might seem wise, but it's demonic. Okay? Verse 16, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. King James Bible reads, where, for where envy and strife is, confusion and every evil work are present there. And, and, and so we see that there is a, a, a there there. What is the there? The there is the atmosphere that we allow to exist in our lives. For example, uh, in the Old Testament, one of the names of God revealed to us is Jehovah Shammah. And what that means literally is the Lord is there. Or we could say present. He is present. If you know anything about the presence of God, you like it. And if you don't like it and think about it and love it and desire it and crave it and want to be in it all the time, you don't know it. I'm, in the limited experience I have, because I know one day I'm going to live in it 24-7, it's going to be turned up to 100%. Woo! <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. My limited experience in the presence of God, oh, I can't put words to it. I mean, certainly I've experienced it in different degrees like many of us have, but holy smokes, <laughs> I mean, holy heaven, Batman, <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> wonderful, uh, it's just so desirable, it's more, it's better than eating when you're hungry, and sleeping when you're tired, and it's better than your best hobby, it's better than the best golf stroke, when you nailed it, I mean, whatever you like to do, the presence of God blows it away, it is full of joy and peace and satisfaction and just everything that God is. It is what we desire hmm, most. I mean, I pray this way. Our leaders around here pray this way. When people walk in here, this building, the presence of God manifests on them. Now, now you know, you recognize that difference, right? You say, well, God's presence is everywhere. He, he, he's always here. That's true, of course, but His presence is not always manifest. It's not always obvious. It's not always popping as we might say. It's like the air is everywhere, but how many know the air is not always moving? That's called wind, if you're outside. The, the wind, when God is manifest, all of a sudden you can see the results. Oh, it's wonderful. Okay, so you know that. We love that. More presence. Lord, crank it up. We're here. <laughs> it's nice. Um, the opposite of that. What is that? That's this. That's the presence of the devil. It's an atmosphere where every evil thing can happen. What happens in God's presence? Joy, peace, healing, wholeness, victory. 
you know, salvation, it's God. What happens with the, the opposite of that? Death, destruction, harm, depression, despair. I mean, every th- evil thing you can think of, that's the presence of the devil. That has nothing to do with God. What creates that? Here's what does. He said where there is envy and strife or self-seeking. The translators went both ways in different translations of the Bible using that word. It's where strife is, that's where the devil is. And so if I want the presence of God and not give place to the devil, I need to put on high priority in my life this issue of keeping strife out. I need to refuse to participate in it. I need to let it be a standard, a holy standard in my life that just says, I am not going to fuss and fight and bicker and argue with people. I am not going to let those relationships remain in that state. Because if I do, I am not yielding to the Spirit of God, which is where my help comes from. But I am yielding to a demonic spirit. It is earthly wisdom. It's sensual. It's devilish. Now, oh, there's so much. Matthew chapter 5. Go over there. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said so many things that are very practical in helping us to deal deal with this, but it also, at the same time, enables us to, to, I don't know, put the puzzle together. The pieces, they fit real well when when we see how things work spiritually spiritually and uh, in our interpersonal relationships. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking here said in verse 23, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... What are we talking about? Your gift. Yeah, I'm giving something to the Lord. Altar is my offering. Okay? I'm going I'm to offer this to the Lord. It's my gift to Him. It's my worship to Him. If you bring your gift to the altar, and there, in that place, remember that your brother has something against you. It's like, oh, we got this issue. My brother's ticked off at me. We got this problem. He said, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift well that doesn't that doesn't seem convenient doesn't seem like a good you know way of ordering your time and your day it's like i'm here why don't i just do this now and then go fix then go take care of that you know later i'm already here how many would think that way lord can't you just take it no the lord said leave it Don't offer it yet. Don't give it to the Lord yet. First fix the problem with your brother. Now that's interesting. So what does this have to do with that? Apparently it does. Apparently it has a lot to do with it. You say, I can't worship the Lord the right way or effectively if I got problems in my relationships with people? Seems to be so, huh? That's why the Lord said, first go do a deal with that. You get that fixed, then come back here, and then you offer this to God. Now your worship goes to another level. Now your worship is received by God. But it really is connected. 
it really is tied together. He said, verse 25, agree with your adversary quickly. Now, why would I agree with my adversary? He's going to explain, but the adversary here is the person that you're in disagreement with, the person who's kind of annoyed with you. They think you did something wrong to them. He's saying, work that out. Get in agreement with them as quick as possible while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, lest he sue you, lest he take you to court. He said, went on to say, the judge hand you over to the officer. Isn't that what we're talking about in this series? People are being turned over to the devil. He is gaining access. They are being released into his control and power because they're giving him that opportunity. Lest you be handed over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. He's saying there's a lot at stake here. If you don't get things right, it can really cost you. But this is interesting to me again. He's not talking about our prayer lives. I know that's a valid thing to discuss, and we have and will talk about our prayer lives. But it seems to me a lot of times people get themselves in trouble simply due to how they relate to other individuals. There's strife, there's conflict, there's opposition, and they don't deal with it in the right way, and that ends up costing them a ton. Y'all got really quiet on this. See, this kind of feeds back into, I mentioned this last week, this mindset. People say, well, I love the Lord. I just can't stand people. No, you don't love the Lord like you think you love the Lord. They are much more connected than you realize. Huh? And if I'm going to have this amazing relationship with God, I need to deal with my relationships with other individuals. And if I don't, it could really cost. Amen. Now, can I give you another verse? Or a group of verses? Genesis chapter 13. I want to take a look at this. If you don't know where Genesis is, it's the first book in the Bible. So start there. You will find it most certainly. In Genesis 13, we read about a guy. uh, We know him as Abraham, but this prior to his name change, he was Abram. Prior to his covenant with God, he was Abram. And, uh, And God was blessing him already. And, and look, look, look what it says. Genesis 13, verse 5. Uh, Lot also, now Lot is Abraham's uh, nephew. All right. Lot also went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could, could not dwell together. Now, you can see here, their problems in life was not about money. They were prospering big time. God had blessed them tremendously. Hey, they had a lot of stuff. Verse 7, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Strife. They started to fuss with each other. They started to fight. Uh, There was strife there. Verse 8, so Abraham, or Abram, said to Lot, please, let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Listen, that needs to be a commitment 
a saying that we have, especially if we are in the midst of some area of our life where that exists. Listen, let this be, let this be your words to your spouse, to kids, to friends, people at work. Let there be no, you might rephrase it to sound modern, but let there be no strife between us. Why would you say that? Why would you go to that length, that effort? Because of the danger of it and because it is a direct invitation for the presence of the devil to manifest in your life and for every evil work to be there. And he's just, he's, Abram's a good guy. He wants to get along with Lot. He said, we can't have this. We got to fix this. Let's deal with, we can't be having strife. Uh, their problem wasn't money problem. It was strife problem. But how many know you let strife go long enough? It'll affect everything else. It will start to wreak havoc in every area of your life. Again, every evil work. And so, uh, uh, verse 9 is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, then I will go to the left. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Now, now, now stop for a moment and, and think about this. Uh, uh, is there ever a time to separate? You see that they are separating here. Is there ever a time to go separate ways from an individual? Well, what would be that time? This seems to be a good reason. If strife cannot be handled any other way. Well, you mean separate? Isn't that more serious? No, no, no. Strife is more serious. It is more of a problem, more of an issue than separating. Sometimes separating is a better alternative than fight, 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 fight. Amen. Now, side note to that, this is Abram and Lot, not Abram and Sarah. <laughs> this is not husband and wife. Don't go out of here saying, uh, honey, pastor said we should separate. <laughs> I heard it. You heard it. He said it right there. He said, Better, we've been fighting. We should go our separate ways. No, I did not say that. If you are married, you know what you should do? You should work it out. <laughs> I don't mean strife is okay. I mean, I think it should take high priority in your relationship, and you come together and say, we are going to fix this. We are not going to allow this to be the norm in our home, in our family. We are going to deal with it. But I wasn't telling you to separate from your spouse. <laughs> Everybody get that? Someone said, man. <laughs> And so they separated, and then it, this is interesting to me, verse 13, or verse 11, chapter 13, verse 11, it says, because basically before that, Lot looked around the land, he said, oh, look at that, that is nice ground over there. And verse 13, verse 11 said, then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. I think that's interesting, this fits right in with self-seeking. Why was Lot so prosperous? I tell you, a lot of it had to do with Abram. It had to do with that relationship. He should have, when Abram was so generous and so giving and said, Lot, why don't you just take what, I'll go the other way. 
You go that way, I'll go this way. Pick whatever you want. He should have stopped and said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you take what you want. And there's, listen, there's a time to receive, and there's time to say thank you or receive that gift. There's also a time to say, uh, I recognize what you're doing, but I'm deferring. There's a time to defer to him. And he didn't. He looked the best, and he thought, I like that area near Sodom and Gomorrah. I think I want to park over there and, and plant. <laughs> we know that didn't turn out too well, did it? Uh, but what did he do? He chose for himself. I mean, no, that's one of the basis for strife in all kinds of relationships. What do we, what do, we do? We choose for ourselves. It's self-seeking. It's self-focused. Lot's life from that point, where did it go? It went down, 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 down. Abraham was fine. Abraham was the giver. He was the generous person. He was willing to do whatever. God kept blessing him. Listen, you want the blessing of God in your life more than anything. Not what I can grab hold of now. What I, I got to jump on this opportunity. No, you want to be led of the Spirit. You want to be generous of heart. You want to not be self-seeking. Lot chose for himself and went down. Abraham gave and he went up. Food for thought. But this again is this self-seeking issue. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 13.10 By pride comes nothing but strife well where does strife come from pride it's me what I can do but with the well-advised is wisdom King James Version reads only by pride comes contention <laughs> do you like to fight do you like to argue do you like to <clears throat> pride should be submitted to God Proverbs 26 20 where there is no wood, the fire goes out. That's powerful. And where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. In other words, the talking is the fuel to that strife. Can I encourage you? Can I, can I say this? Stop talking! Sometimes that's the best thing you can do. Just zip. Because what? You just stop fueling that fire. And that fire is already on its way down the moment we stop. Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as the churning of milk produces butter. Everybody say, mmm. And the wringing of nose produces blood. Say, ouch. So the forcing of wrath produces strife. It's this attitude of forcing issues have you ever fallen into that where you, you won't let something go I'm going to force it and sometimes it's small and we make it big we make a little issue a monstrosity and before you know it it becomes that before you know it it's dividing relationships it's causing strife we didn't recognize it but the devil came wandering in saying hmm, I like the atmosphere here I'm going to make this my home I'm going to hang out because this is this is all me. And then killing, stealing, destroying commences. Sometimes it's just let something go. Don't force it. Don't force, uh, force wrath. It's opening the door to the devil. You know, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, sometimes the reason children struggle and suffer 
sickness and disease are constantly getting sick and having physical problems. Sometimes it's adjustment problems. Sometimes it's learning issues. You know, all that's not God. That's not, there's, nothing, there's nothing God about that at all. But sometimes the reason those things take root in, is because the, the atmosphere they live in. Can I say this and be kind? I, I don't mean this in any, I, I don't want to hurt anyone. But when mom and dad are, you know, constantly at each other, someone's going to suffer. Sometimes it's the kids. Because it's creating an atmosphere where destruction is invited. And he's got an opportunity to get in there and mess with people's lives, their health, their mental and emotional well-being. I would encourage everybody this way. I, man, it's, time just runs fast on Sunday morning, doesn't it? With these many sermons I do. <laughs> um, can I just encourage you? Have this standard, this stance in your life that says, I'm not going to participate with fighting. What do I mean by that? I don't mean we all agree on everything. I don't mean all husbands and wives agree on everything and friends and church relationships. That's not necessarily the goal. But the goal is to have this heart that says, I will not foster the devil's presence. I will not give way to and place to an atmosphere where there is where it's demonic, it's fleshly, it's sensual, and every evil work is there, I am going to refuse to participate. If worst case scenario, I'm getting away from that person. But let's not start there. That's the last resort. I want to fix things, but I'm going to do it with a spirit of meekness. That's heavenly wisdom. I'm going to do it with a spirit of gentleness, seeking peace and restoration, forgiveness. I don't want them to pay. No evil for evil. I don't want them to suffer for what they did to me. I want them to be restored. I want them to have mercy. And if we, if we have that attitude, I tell you, we are laughing in the presence of the Lord. We are celebrating in the glory of God because he manifests unhindered. And the devil comes in and tries to manifest, and he looks to this one, and he tries to get in this one and, and move through this one and move through their mouth and move through this other person's hurt feelings, and, 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 and he finds no place. And it's just God all around us. And healings pop. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> And there's joy, and there's peace. It's the, it's the atmosphere of heaven. But we have to have this stance that says, I refuse to live in a world of strife. It's where, wherever it's up to me, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Amen. Let me read these verses to you in closing. This is James 4 again. Well, we read James 3. This is James 4. He said, no, we did read James 4. This is that. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's 4, 17 and 18. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace 
by those who make peace. Would you give that some thought? Would you read those verses again later, today, this week? Meditate on them and say, say this is how I'm going to conduct myself in the midst of disagreement or opposition and in the midst of potential strife and presence of the devil. I'm going to let the wisdom that is from above govern my life. And you'll find the enemy will be cut off from you. I tell you, individuals that have struggled with physical problems and pains, it'll be cut off just by cutting out that, that, uh, that issue of strife in your life. Because we can say, devil, I rebuke you all day long, but then we yield to him by doing that. And that's a contradiction. I say, devil, I rebuke you, and Lord, I yield myself to you. Let peace and love flow through my heart. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.